Hello and welcome to Fuck It Go Travel. We are your hosts, Crystal and Sapphire. Journey with us in navigating all things travel from a very unfiltered female perspective. Think of us as your travel hosts that will help guide you in your travel journey with some laughs and tears along the way. Join us as we give tips and insight, share stories, and just serve as your go-to travel gurus and hosts. Crystal here. That's right. This podcast isn't just to help you plan your travel adventures. It's meant to inspire and support our fellow female solo travelers, or as we like to call, travel hoes, and of course, entertain. Well, the fuck we waiting for? Let's go and start our episode, you travel hoes. Even though this is supposed to be a travel podcast, traveling isn't quite possible right now during a global pandemic. This is obviously very unexpected. We have been working on this podcast since last year and we had actual travel topics lined up, but here we are. We look forward to releasing those in the future, but for now, we're diving back into current events that we find relevant to us as solo travelers. In our previous episode, We talked about the coronavirus and its impact on people like us who have a strong sense of wanderlust, our recommendations on what you can do during a time like this, and how to cope. We also had an interview with a lovely fellow traveler who is unable to return home right now. If you haven't checked out that episode, we strongly recommend that you do because there's definitely some interesting content in there, and obviously also because we work very hard on it. We're working on improving our content, delivery, and audio quality, so your support is very much appreciated. In this episode, we're focusing on the racism and xenophobia aspects of this global pandemic, how this impacts us as solo travelers, and what we can learn from this. Both Sapphire and I have personally encountered not-so-pleasant racial harassments of varying degrees during our travels. As solo female travelers, it's important that we are aware of such issues. Part of embracing the nomadic lifestyle, or even just part-time traveling, is being open to other people and cultures and understanding them. We want to take this opportunity to talk about what we can learn from the increased racism and xenophobia as a result of the coronavirus, and we're going to start by gaining a bit of understanding about the source of where this all started, which is China and their wildlife trade. We're going to uncover the origins of wet markets and the roles that the Chinese people and the Chinese government play. We're then going to cover a few disturbing racially aggravated incidents related to the coronavirus, ranging from dumb insults to horrific assaults, follow up with what's happening in politics, and finally, what you can do for yourself and others. While racism will always exist, this pandemic, if anything, has brought even more awareness to the issue than ever before. It's best to address the increase in racially motivated attacks against Asians right now, so no one is all the more vulnerable when quarantine lifts in the future. Also, increasing our mindfulness on how we regard other cultures is pivotal to being a respectful foreigner for when we do get to travel again. The actual origins of the bat soup 
and what it says about racist perceptions. Ever since the beginning, there has been racism surrounding the coronavirus, starting with the spread of the viral video showing a Chinese woman eating bat soup, which the internet went nuts over, linking it to the coronavirus and claiming that Chinese people eat weird things. I think it's accurate to say that people tend to fear things that they don't understand or are not familiar with in their own culture. And this fear can turn into racist thoughts and assumptions about a particular race. We hope that most, if not all, of us know by now that the bat soup shown in the viral video was not from China. The person in question is an influencer who hosts an online travel show, and she was actually in Palau, an island country located in the Western Pacific Ocean, where she was trying to introduce the lifestyle of the, of the local people, hence the bat soup. The people of the internet were very quick to jump into conclusions, throwing around their own racist opinions of what they think Chinese people must be like and whatever stereotypes they have. And you know what? Even if they do eat that, even if they do eat things that most people we know would consider weird, so what? There are lots of weird things in the world. In Sweden, there is a place called Disgusting Food Museum where you can find assorted exhibits of disgusting foods from around the world. All the world's greatest cuisines are represented here. Each exhibit is considered a delicacy somewhere. Here's a small example of, some of their menu. Maggot cheese. A decades only Sardinian specialty featuring purposely prepared blocks of pecorino cheese to become a natural breeding ground for nests of maggots. Hakal fermented shark. A national dish of Iceland is typically a Greenland shark beheaded, gutted, and shallowly buried underground in sandy gravel for 6 to 12 weeks before it's cut into strips and hung to dry for 4 to 6 months. It has a strong ammonia smell. <laughs> sheep head. Eating a whole sheep's head has long been fine dining in the Mediterranean and Northern Europe. There's smoked or sheep's head soup sometimes with brains which are risky to consume, with the eyeballs and tongue a particular delicacy. Which one would you be willing to try? <laughs> None. <laughs> Probably the fermented shark. Actually, I don't even know. I don't even know, dude. Like, I heard the fermented shark, like, they piss on it. Like, really? for, yeah, to, to, to keep it preserved, but I don't, I don't know how much of that is true. But probably I would, I would do sheep head because I would rather die than eat maggot cheese, to be honest. Yeah, same. Um, I think I'm actually okay with, with animals, animal parts, any, any part of the animal you give me, bugs, insects. That same, is, I'm totally uh, out. No, for me. Anyways. Point is... This whole viral bat soup video and a subsequent freakout from people were unnecessary. The whole issue isn't just as simple as Chinese people eating food that us in the Western society find unusual. So the virus is believed to have come from a wet market in Wuhan. This is what we've probably all heard by now. While the question of where the coronavirus originated from is important, we'd like to take this opportunity to further go into detail about how wet markets came to be to help us better understand the other side of the story and possibly give us a different perspective that perhaps the people of China are themselves the victims of the conditions that led to the coronavirus. The prevailing theory on the origins of the coronavirus. The following information is from a very interesting video on YouTube titled 
How Wildlife Trade is Linked to the Coronavirus by Vox. The link will be in the podcast description if you want to check it out. But otherwise, we're basically going to summarize the video for you here. So the source of the coronavirus has been traced to the Huanan market, a wet market in Wuhan. Out of the, four, the first 41 patients, 24 have had contact with the market. Although this is not conclusive evidence, it is believed to be the likely source. The Chinese officials quickly shut down the market after the emergence of this new virus, as what was happening was very similar to the 2002 SARS outbreak, which also emerged in a similar market in Guangzhou. How transmission of viruses happen in wet markets? So, a lot of the viruses that make us sick actually originate in animals, including viruses that cause the flu, HIV AIDS, and Ebola. While viruses are very good at jumping between species, it's rare for a deadly one to make its way to humans because it would require all the hosts to encounter each other at some point. Wet markets make this possibility a lot more likely. This part is going to get a bit unsettling for the weak stomach, so if you think you are one of those people, you might want to fast forward 30 seconds or so, and you definitely don't want to watch the video. In a wet market, wild animals are slaughtered live for freshness and sold for consumption. The animals are kept in cages that are stacked one on top of another. Animals kept at the bottom cage are often soaked with the bodily fluids of the animals above, such as excrement, pus, and blood. This is how the virus could potentially be transferred from one animal to another, and if a human then comes in contact or consumes the animal in question, that person can potentially be infected with the virus. The sordid economic history that gave rise to Chinese wet markets. There are wet markets scattered all over the world, but the ones in China have over a wide variety of animals, including wildlife. This was due to a decision the Chinese government made decades ago. Back in 1970s, famine had killed more than 36 million people. And in 1978, on the verge of collapse, the communist regime gave up control of food production and allowed private farming. While large companies dominated the production of popular foods, some smaller farms turned to catching and raising wild animals as a way to sustain themselves. According to Peter Lee, professor and expert on China's animal trade, he said it was imperative for the government to encourage people to make a living through whatever productive activities they can find themselves in. And since the catching and raising of wild animals was feeding and sustaining people, the government backed it. Then in 1988, the government enacted the Wildlife Protection Law, which designated wildlife as a natural resource, making it something people can use for human benefit. The law also encouraged the domestication and breeding of wildlife. This was how the industry was born. In 2002, when the SARS outbreak happened, scientists found traces of the virus in farmed civet cats that were being sold in the wet markets in southeastern China. Chinese officials quickly shut down the markets and wildlife farming. However, after only a few months after the outbreak, the Chinese government declared 54 species of wildlife animals, including civet cats, legal to farm again. So the truth is, wildlife farming industry is worth a lot of money in China and exerted significant influence over the Chinese government. The industry marketed and promoted wildlife animals as delicacies, 
tonic products, etc. And these products became popular with the influential portion of China's population, which is a very small minority. The majority of people in China do not eat wildlife animals. The small minority of people that do, although very small, is rich and powerful. And unfortunately, the Chinese government chose to favor this minority over the safety of the rest of its population. Soon after the coronavirus outbreak, the Chinese government shut down thousands of wet markets and temporarily banned wildlife trade again. Although it is unclear for how long it will remain banned, but as you can see, it's not just the rest of the world that is concerned. Chinese social media has been flooded with petitions to ban it for good this time. We hope you found this informative. This episode's coverage of racist and xenophobic incidents related to the coronavirus, aka why Crystal and Sapphire drink and stay inside. In this episode, we're going to share a few more stories that really made us unable to sleep at night. This first story is honestly one of the most difficult ones for me to stomach, mostly because it involved two young children. This incident took place at a Sam's Club. Which is a retail chain in Texas. A 19-year-old man stabbed an Asian American family, including the father, his six-year-old son, two-year-old daughter, and a store employee. The suspect actually said he thought the family was quote Chinese and infecting people with the coronavirus, and he admitted to attempting to murder the family for this reason. Pictures posted on Facebook show that the father and his son were cut very badly across their faces. The son had a cut reaching from behind his ear all the way across to his eye. This just takes it to a whole other level. I mean, what did the little kids do? That is some next level crazy. And this guy may as well stab their family pet cat, pet birds, pet spiders for being co-conspirators. Another story emerged from Canada about an emergency room nurse in Toronto who was allegedly spat on and verbally assaulted because of her Asian background. A woman, presumably in her 60s, allegedly approached and started yelling at Catherine Chung, the assaulted nurse. She started hitting us with an umbrella. She told me to go back to wherever I came from and called me racial slurs. Then she came very close to my face and purposely spit on me. Chung, who wore a medical mask at the time, claimed that she felt droplets of the woman's spit on her eyes. Chung filed a police report before heading to a hospital for precaution. However, contrary to her belief, the police are not treating the incident as a hate crime. It happened because I'm Asian and wearing a mask, Chung told CTV News. This person on the street decided to purposely expose me to whatever viruses she possibly had because of my race. The physician who assessed Chung advised her to take some days off work. And while she is said to be employed in one of the busiest emergency rooms in the area, her employer supported the doctor's advice. Chung has reportedly lived in Canada since 2003. While she claims to be no stranger to experiencing racism, she felt that it escalated since the coronavirus outbreak started. And you know what? It's absolutely ugh, fucking stunning how people can treat Asians who are a, dis- a disproportionate number. Um, in the medical field and on the front lines, saving lives and risking their own, and go back to your own country, bleep, <laughs> like bleep chink, and other vile comments should be actually made to be something along the lines of "Thank you for your service, you bad brave bitch." Yes, exactly. 
Here's another sad story about an attack on a doctor in Boston. This was published in Forbes, and the link to this article will be in the podcast description. Lucy Lee, an anesthesia resident doctor at Massachusetts General Hospital, left work to head home. She had spent the entire day in the operating room assisting with procedures that have become incredibly dangerous because of the spread of COVID-19. Given this immensely risky workday, she had decided to shower and change her clothes at the hospital before going home. Outside, her hood was up, covering her wet hair, which is why at first she did not hear what a man had said as he quickly approached her in a threatening manner from across the street. Quote, "Why are you Chinese people killing everyone? What is wrong with you? Why the fuck are you killing us?" Doctor Lee, now in a state of panic. Picked up her pace while he continued to follow her for an entire city block, shouting numerous derogatory racial slurs and relentlessly harassing her. The shouting stopped, and when Dr. Lee managed to slip inside a nearby store to deter her stalker, in response to this attack, Dr. Lee said, "Initially, I was mostly terrified and very scared, mixed with a lot of sadness. But then anger started setting in at the sheer irony of his tirade." I had just spent the day in the operating room taking care of high-risk patients. I think if I was this doctor, I would really want to turn around and just be like, "Do you know who I am?" But like in a way, how a celebrity would say, "Like, do you know who I am? I'm a doctor, and what are you? Like a racist and a useless person? Wow, way to contribute to society." <laughs> Mentions of racism and racists on social media. So racism is, isn't so casually anymore. Wait, let me try that again. <laughs> I speak Russian. I <laughs> don't. So racism isn't so casual anymore in today's climate. The cup of overt racism runneth over these days. A racist Twitter user, someone literally named Karen, whose Twitter handle is Karen Cannon, tweeted. You can't come into BC. This is my territory. Hashtag #AntiAsian. Some other posts and tweets from Asians being caught outside and looking Asian. Chen He from Quebec took to Facebook and said, "We went to Costco for grocery shopping today. A woman gave us the middle finger and tried to attack me because we were Asian and wearing masks. This is so ridiculous." She also covered her mouth. Why? Why can't we cover our mouths? Asians and masks should not be the face of the coronavirus. She also posted photos of this woman, and she looked mad, like crazy mad. At lovely Chris tweeted, "Just witnessed someone yelling, 'Fucking chink! You Chinese people are the reason this is happening to the world.'" And continued to sell, continued to call the Asian names. Meanwhile, this Asian was not Chinese, nor have they ever been to China. I fucking hate people. I need to buy a taser. At Jia Yangfen tweeted. Went out to take the trash. Was talking on the phone in Chinese. A man walked by on the sidewalk, and in interest of social distancing, I said, "Sorry, go ahead." Fucking Chinese! He yelled out loud enough I could hear him over my friend's voice on the phone. I turned to look at him to make sure I heard right. He said, quote, "Yeah, I'm talking to you, Chinese bitch." He continued, quote, "You're fucking Chinese." Man didn't seem drunk or, or mentally ill. I was so breathless I couldn't make a sound on the phone for a while. 
I was asked on the phone if I was okay. I couldn't say anything for a long minute, but he kept looking at me. I wasn't offended. I was afraid. I was worried he, he knew where I lived. I decided not to go fetch the bag of rice a few blocks away, even though I don't know if lockdown is coming. And what, it, what that means for my grain situation, it doesn't seem worth it. And honestly, like he must have been <laughs> deranged. Like that sounds mentally deranged. At Rosa Learet tweeted, I'm scared for my life when I leave the house with my Asian face and mask. Last time I went out to get groceries, a man, a man growled at me while pointing at my face and yelled what sounded like insults in another language. Then a bunch of white people laughed at me and tried taking pictures. Frankie Huang at Ourobororo tweeted, a friend's mother, a Filipino nurse with a mind-blowing 39 years of experience, went to the store today in Chicago with a mask on, and people ran away from her. And yet, she, she will still go to the hospital and take care of the racist asses, even if they went in with COVID. These are just some of the everyday racism that we found from literally being on social media for a few minutes. The California-based Asian Pacific Policy and Planning Council takes thousands of racist incidents weekly and releases weekly reports. Here is just one of their recent submissions. Quote, Yesterday, a teammate assumed I was Chinese, even though I never said my race. All I said was, that is racist, I'm American, FYI, when the teammate called me Chinese. He got everyone else on his team to join in and harass me. I feel ashamed almost to be Asian in America. It hurts. I was being called a gook, being told, quote, China has the highest suicide rates. You should think about that, smiley face. Or calling me Ling Ling and saying I eat dogs and spread coronavirus. The Asian Pacific Policy and Planning Council received 1,135 reports in its first two weeks. The trends between the dates March 26th to April 1st of 2020 were as follows. So the Asian American and Pacific Islander women are harassed at twice the rate of men. Asian American Pacific Islander children and youth are involved in 6.3% of the incidents. And despite shelter in place policies being implemented across the nation, the number of discriminatory um, incidents remains high. And last, with shelter in place a significant number of incidents are now taking place in grocery stores, pharmacies, and big box retail. The blame game happening in politics. In the political world, tensions between China and the rest of the world, especially the US, seem to be on the rise. We don't really want to get into politics because it's way too controversial of a topic. And honestly, we were originally going to cover some newsworthy events, but while we were researching this, what we found was more and more of what Crystal would describe as a never-ending argument between children on who did what, when, or like a drama channel pulling out receipt after receipt, spilling one cup of tea after another. You know, you get the point. What, what, was, the reason. Reason. what was the reason? reason? What was the reason? What was the reason? I just explained the reason. What was the reason, bitch? It's essentially a blame game. China should be blamed because they were not honest from the start. They hit their data, misreported numbers, etc. Senior White House officials were quoted saying, when coronavirus spike passes, the administration will take the gloves off on China. Trump is furious and wants action. On the Chinese front, the U.S. should be blamed because, quote, it might be the U.S. Army who brought the epidemic to Wuhan. 
Chinese Foreign Ministry Li Zhengzhao had tweeted, while Foreign Ministry spokesperson Hua Chunying tweeted, some cases that were previously diagnosed as flu in the U.S. were actually COVID-19. Here is another one. Quote, the U.S. should punish China for its coronavirus failings as an incentive for Beijing to mend its ways. Washington could persuade leading nations to join it in excluding Chinese scholars and students from scientific research centers and universities. China has used its Thousand Talents program to recruit scientists to help steal sensitive technology from American laboratories. Confucius Institutes have spread propaganda while masquerading as Chinese cultural centers. This is from an article titled How to Make China Pay, published in the National Review on April 6th. In the UK, a news article was published on April 4th claiming that China owes Britain 351 billion euros as concluded by a major study into the crisis. Quote, Britain should pursue the Chinese government through international courts for 351 billion euros in coronavirus compensation as the bill could have been avoided if the Chinese Communist Party had been open and honest about the outbreak late last year according to the article. Yeah, why don't I call my ex-boyfriend and ask him to pay for my therapy bills? <laughs> that hits hard. <laughs> so not to mention that Britain is asking for reparations when they themselves have committed multiple colonial indiscretions and cultural genocides, like <laughs> India, <laughs> Ireland. This blame game just keeps going and going. And we can be here for hours just talking about all the incidents and who is to blame, but we're going to move on. What should you do if you are being harassed because of your race? <laughs> so I am not an expert in this area, so I'm going to say that I'm not the best person to give advice on this. But based on my own personal experience, which is mostly limited to verbal attacks rather than physical, thankfully, I think the best tactic to use is to just ignore them, as in they don't exist. I actually also use this tactic for guys that verbally harass me, and that's not about race anymore, it's because I have a vagina. <laughs> pretend you don't hear them and that they don't exist. Keep on doing whatever you're doing. For example, if someone throws an insult at you while walking down the street, just keep on walking like they're not even there. Don't flinch, don't even make eye contact, nothing. The trick is to make it believable that you genuinely didn't notice them. They're so insignificant to you that you don't even acknowledge their existence. Maybe you're actually shaking inside and your anxiety is through the roof. But by ignoring their existence, you can better control your anger and anxiety and you don't even have to bother coming up with some kind of clapback or witty remark. The best part is, this is the ultimate insult for those people because what they want is a reaction from you and when there is none, they start to feel awkward and stupid. They'll start to question themselves on whether you're purposely ignoring them or if you actually just didn't hear them and if they should repeat themselves and this will give them anxiety, it will drive them crazy. It's even more embarrassing if they're doing this in front of their friends and their friends see that you don't even acknowledge their existence. It's like if you've ever tried getting someone's attention in public by calling out to them, it's a pretty awkward feeling when they don't respond. So imagine trying to insult someone in public 
and then getting ignored. It's a pretty embarrassing feeling if you ask me. Another tactic you can use, which I personally wouldn't default to using because I'm a shy person, but if you're a more outspoken type, you can play with them a bit if that's the mood you're in. People that think it's appropriate for them to say racist things are crazy to me. And in my opinion, the only way to fight crazy is with crazy. So why don't say something crazy yourself and make this about your crazy rather than their crazy, also known as gaslighting. But in reverse, the next time someone calls you a chink, just tell them, who? Me? Oh, but I'm white. There is no point in reasoning with a racist person. They do not respond to logic or reason. You'll just be wasting your breath and your intelligence. So just tell them you're white and let them figure it out. <laughs> all jokes aside, I would say to collect all the evidence you can if you're fortunate enough to get them bitches on camera. And also to contact your local law enforcement so they can pursue the incident. But if your law enforcement uh, doesn't pursue the incident, submit your evidence to the media, get interviewed, make an example of that piece of shit. If you're American, you can also submit the incident to the Asian Pacific Policy and Planning Council website. The link for this will be in the podcast description. You can seek support from your friends who can sympathize and validate your experiences, and even do so with online strangers as well. You can get support on the private, the private, ugh, sorry, you can get support on the Crimes Against Asians Facebook page, an extension of the online Asian news publication Nextark, where you can submit your incidents and see the experience of others. Links to these will also be in the podcast description. I would say it's generally the best to ignore racists as if, as they're only really, you know, trying to provoke a response, but I would advise to prioritize your safety and don't give them the pleasure if that's possible. I know the temptation is to make a racist person feel stupid with words and probably more often with fists. But as Crystal said, why waste your breath and your intelligence? And you know what? I am the outspoken type, describes. But instead of out-crazying the racist, I'm definitely the kind of person to stand her ground and make the person feel even more uncomfortable with a delicious clapback. But during these times, I, I would lean definitely more towards holding back should any incident happen to me. And with the violent string of incidents happening against Asians being reported around the world, it's best not to take any risks with the deranged races. But by all means, defend yourself, but only do so when completely necessary. What should you not do? You should not escalate the situation, even though it's tempting, as I said. People are projecting their life's frustration on you, a target practice in their already existing racism that they now have an outlet to exercise. You should not internalize racism by feeling obligated to signal or prove that you're, insert wherever you're from here, enough, as Andrew Yang said, um, who was a previous U.S. presidential candidate, um, to avoid racism. It is not your job to make ignorant people feel comfortable. And lastly, you should not be even more decisive amongst our victimized community and claim that you're not Chinese, but Korean, Vietnamese, Filipino, etc. Racists will not see the difference anyways, and an attack on one part of the East Asian and Pacific Asian community is an attack on the entire East Asian and Pacific Asian community.
who's speaking up against all this racism towards Asians. In an effort to prevent further racism and xenophobia, the CDC has stated, quote, people of Asian descent, including Asian Americans, are not more likely to get COVID-19 more than any other American. Help stop fear by letting people know that being of Asian descent does not increase the chance of getting or spreading COVID-19, quote, and they should really end that with, you dumbasses, you dumb bitch. <laughs> Many figureheads have spoken out against racism, including Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders, and Elizabeth Warren. And the governor of New York, Andrew Cuomo, said pretty poignantly, to be clear, there is zero evidence that people of Asian descent bear any additional responsibility for the transmission of the coronavirus. Let's not forget our prime minister here in Canada. In one of Justin Trudeau's daily briefings on March 21st, he had said, quote, let's not forget that people are worried about how fear can fuel racism too. So let's be kind to each other and let's stand up against discrimination wherever you see it. In the days and weeks ahead, as we continue to feel the impacts of this virus, it will be more important than ever to fight against fear, misinformation, and stigma. We must continue to pull together because in times of need, our strength is defined by how we care for each other as neighbors, as communities, and as a country. This was from a month ago. I remember instantly feeling somewhat better when I heard him addressing this when not many people had at the time. Trump even indirectly retracted a statement about calling it the Chinese virus after China counterclaimed that the virus originated from U.S. soldiers, not Wuhan. But he did so in the most Trump way possible, saying, quote, Look, everyone knows it came from China, but I decided we shouldn't make a big deal out of it. I think, I think I made a big deal at a press conference. He even tweeted, It is very important that we totally protect our Asian American community in the United States and all around the world. They are amazing people, and the spread of the virus is not their fault in any way, shape, or form. They are working closely with us to get rid of it. We will prevail together. The FBI also released a report, released a report in early March that extended to all of the law enforcement across the USA to brace for the surge of hate crimes against Asians to come following the coronavirus. Here in Canada, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police is encouraging anyone to report discriminatory acts, even if they seem minor, as it will help the RCMP to identify trends to help stop them preemptively. This brings us to our final segment. What can you do to help? Use social media to fight against xenophobia. Celebrity endorsed uh, hashtags like hashtag wash the hate is used to bring awareness to racial insensitivity. Other hashtags you can use are hashtag hate is a virus, hashtag I am not a virus, and lastly, even TikTok is even being used by Gen Zers to bring some humor to a really heavy situation. Links to these will be in the podcast description. Make a donation to the media campaign, Be Cool to Asians, uh, that's working to change the narrative of anti-Asian hate. This was created by Valerie Chow, a producer of Thirsty Tiger Television, after she was attacked by a homeless man in LA while walking her dog. Offer support to those who have been assaulted by racism on social media on pages such as Next Shark's Crimes Against Asians. Stand up for people that are being attacked 
if it's safe to do so, or safely take them out of the scene. For instance, in San Francisco, there are volunteer army veterans called the SF Peace Collective patrolling Chinatown to prevent vandalism, robbery, and beatings against Asians in the neighborhood. Reach out to your local advocacy groups, or even make your own. Share your story and validate the experiences of others. I fully agree that it's important to offer support to those who have been victims of any kind of assault, even if you don't know that person personally. And that can just be a small gesture to show kindness and understanding towards that person who is under attack because it can be a very isolating feeling, if not traumatic. Even just going out of your way to let that person know that you acknowledge that what happened to them is wrong can help them feel less isolated. How does this racism and xenophobia impact us and what can we learn? <laughs> one of the things we learned from the incidents that we've been seeing is that they all have one thing in common. People are afraid. Whether young or old, male or female, they are afraid to go buy groceries, walk their dogs, even throw out the trash. If things get worse, our livelihoods are going to be affected. So recently, I find myself spending more and more time thinking about what degree of racism I will face once the pandemic is over and it is safe to travel again. We're still in quarantine and yet I'm already worried for myself. The other day, Sapphire and I went to the park to walk my dog and we definitely practiced social distancing, of course, and wore masks. And I definitely felt uncomfortable when we walked past some of the people. I didn't want to overthink it, but there were two older white couples in particular that I noticed might have treated us in a racist manner. One older white man saw us walking towards them, and he stuck out a long stick he was holding and pointed it at us as we walked by. I tried to treat it as him being overly careful and doing this to everyone he walked past, but I really have no way of telling. I only know what he did made me feel uncomfortable. Like, who sticks a stick at somebody? No, that's meant to say, who points a stick at somebody? That's considered a hostile gesture. You can just move away like a normal person would. You don't need to stick a pointy object at us like we're some kind of wild animals. Another white couple we walked by told us how much distance we need to keep from each other. These are only small things, although to be fair, that was also the first time I've been anywhere with other people for a while. But like I said, I didn't even want to make anything of these incidents, so I just treated my experience mostly as me being oversensitive. Still, I just can't imagine my future travel experience to be the same anymore with everything that we're seeing. I can't imagine myself being able to feel safe exploring new places by myself where Asians are a minority. That was so ridiculous. <laughs> that was a ridiculous experience. And you know what? Like, when it came, I didn't really see the incidents happen with, like, the first guy who was pointing the stick of us, at us. But the, the encounter that definitely stuck with me was, like, the second white couple that commented on, on the space between each other. Like, that was fucking stupid. And you know how I mentioned that I'm, like, the outspoken type? Like, I, I definitely turned around, took off my mask, and said, you wouldn't be saying anything if we weren't Asian. And, like, I really hope that registered. And they actually heard me comment on that. They, they heard, right? I really hope they heard. I think so. And, and with, the, with the first guy with the stick, like, honestly, I don't really think it even matters um, whether he was doing it to everyone or not. The fact that you are a, a person walking like in a park and you're pointing a stick at somebody like that gesture itself is just 
It's very hostile. Yeah, and you know, just just think about it. Like, would you generally be okay with that? Like, oh, you're pointing a stick at me. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> that's not. That's not fine. No, no. And there was like so much. Anyways, this pandemic is bringing out the absolute best and worst of humanity. We've seen this level of pointed racism from the Yellow Peril ages, a time when racist and xenophobic ideology against East Asians was used for Chinese colonization. It was, it's also been seen in the Japanese internment camps that indiscriminately imprisoned Japanese Canadians and Japanese Americans in the Second World War. This rise in recent racism against Asians is what could be also considered an analog to the racist violence against Muslims and ethnicities deemed similar enough by racists in the wake of 9-11. Frankly, racism will always exist, and this is another massive event that has emboldened them to come out of the woodwork to wreak havoc and suspend all forms of logic and human decency. Just as no ethnicity has been exempt from transmitting the virus, just about no one has been exempt from racism and xenophobia. Now is the time to be aware of how you treat and see others. Take this opportunity to support and protect each other, Asian or not, and perhaps reflect on any, any racist or xenophobic thought that has ever casually crossed your mind. Racism and xenophobia happening to non-Asians. This reminds me of something my friend told me the other day. Back in early March, when the coronavirus was starting to hit Italy badly and the rest of Europe was still fine, my friend's Chinese co-worker living in Shanghai told her that her sister, who is living in Italy, went to the grocery store and kept getting yelled at by security for not keeping enough distance from others, even though none of the other non-Asian people at the store who were too close to each other were being picked on. Her co-worker then went on to say that the other day when she was walking her dog in the streets in Shanghai, a white person came to pet her dog. When she found out that he was Italian, she immediately had the urge to yank her dog back and run away from that person. It took her a few seconds to tell herself that her fear was unfounded and that this Italian person clearly had no ties to what's happening in Italy. What this story makes you realize is that racism is irrational. This, so this isn't just Asian people or businesses getting attacked in a non-Asian setting. In South Korea, many businesses have put up no Chinese allowed signs that are banning all foreigners. More than 760,000 South Korean citizens have signed a petition lobbying the government to ban Chinese tourists from entering the country. And the Daegu Lantern Festival posted a notice in English that no foreigners are allowed to visit their festival. So ridiculous. In Guangzhou, China, the city enforced a 14-day quarantine on anyone of African descent after 10 cases were reported to have stemmed from a business district called Little Africa. I will quote an article from Forbes written by their community lead, Alexandra Stern-Licht. Following the outbreak, Guangzhou officials announced that all residents of African descent, about 4,500 people, must quarantine for 14 days regardless of their previous circumstances or how long they have been in Guangzhou. Adding that African residents' home will be monitored with tracking devices that will alert officials if they open the door. The ban led to reports of African residents being evicted and banned from businesses. People have, been, people have taken to social media to document evicted African residents sleeping on the street, interacting with police and Nigerian diplomats delivering food to their now homeless compatriots. 
causing foreign ministers of Uganda, Kenya, Ghana, Ghana, sorry, and Nigeria to speak out in protest. And a sign was also found in Guangzhou in, on their McDonald's, which read, quote, We've been informed that from now on, black people are not allowed to enter the restaurant. For the sake of your health, consciously notify the local police for medical isolation. Please understand the inconvenience caused. This sign was later taken down, and the restaurant temporarily closed due to the sign, quote, not being representative of McDonald's inclusive values. Yeesh, talk about systemic racism in plain sight. Without minimizing the plight of Asians being especially targeted during this pandemic, we hope we've illustrated that these stories of racism and xenophobia aren't a narrative exclusive to Asians, and that they're happening to other ethnicities as well. Now is not the time to play who has it worse. We're just trying to highlight that racism on all fronts is irrational, and to nip that shit in the bud when you see it happening to a fellow person, or even, a th even as a thought in your own head. The takeaway, how does all this relate to travel? But enough about the shitty racism and xenophobia happening around the globe. Let's bring this back to travel, as this is a travel podcast. What we can learn from this uprise in racism and xenophobia is that respect for other cultures, i.e. not being a racist cunt in your own country, is integral to being a respectful tourist in another. Please say it with me, everyone. The virus does not discriminate color, and neither should we. We're in this together. One love, y'all, to a better racist. Whoa, nope. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's why comments are important. <laughs> One love, y'all, towards a better racist and virus-free tomorrow. I think you should say towards the better racist-free and virus-free tomorrow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> to better racist tomorrow. <laughs> Take two. <laughs> One love, y'all, towards a better, racist-free, and virus-free tomorrow. Submit your thoughts and stories to us at figtpodcast at gmail.com. That is figtpodcast at gmail.com. We will share your story here and we'll give our candid thoughts and support. Also, do follow us on our Instagram, Fuck It Go Travel, without the U, it's FCK It Go Travel, for an easy escape to when solo traveling and leaving the house was still a thing. Oh god. Like, that was a way better take. <laughs>